Hey, is this thing on? Lance, Nick, ready? Can you hear me? Welcome to the Live Free and Hunt podcast. What is up, everyone? Uh, We just want to thank you for all the positive feedback we've been getting from this podcast. If you guys are listening on Apple Podcasts, Google Play Music, or even Podbean and YouTube, uh, hit that like and subscribe button. That would help us out a lot. Uh, Follow us along on Instagram and Facebook and uh, check out what we got going on. Uh, We're going to have some good media this year, and uh, we just appreciate all the support from you all. Uh, Thanks again, everyone. Oh, yeah, you heard that. Welcome back. Live Free and Hunt podcast, episode number nine. We got Brett Joy and Chris Dame. Uh, we just got off the phone with them. Uh, it was an excellent podcast, lots of info. We talked turkeys. Uh, we talked filming. We talked strategy. Uh, it was it was an awesome podcast. Um, it was short notice for those guys, so um, greatly appreciated. Um we're going to get to it. What do you say, Lance? Yeah, let's get to let's it. Let's hit it. You're like a bad deck of cards that loves to lose. You don't listen to me, and I don't want you to. Because we sure have fun throwing my money away. You bet high. I bet low, you're all in and I'm all broke Another paycheck down the drain So you want to start off with, uh, um, I don't know who wants to go first, whoever wants to go first uh, Just a little story about, um, or whatever, about how you guys grew up hunting And uh, what made you, you know, get fired up about it you first, Brett. Okay. Um, you're rolling and everything? Yeah, we're good. We're ready to go. Yeah, we, can, we are good. Yeah. Um, my story is a little unique compared to, I guess, a lot of guys. I didn't grow up in a hunting family. Um, so my dad was liked to be outdoors. He grew up in the city but moved to New Hampshire um, right about the time I was born. Um, he always liked to be outside but, you know, wasn't super into it because he didn't have much opportunity down where he lived, but uh, he got into fishing pretty pretty big, big into fly fishing, so he always took me outside, so he definitely introduced me to the outdoors, but he really did introduce me to hunting. That's something that I kind of wanted to do on my own. Right. Um, you know, just being outside and seeing animals, I always would get up like Sunday mornings and watch hunting shows on ESPN at like 6 a.m., um, so that's kind of my introduction. So I kind of just taught myself. Um, he did his best to teach me, but obviously he didn't really know much about it. So um, everything that I've learned has been kind of on my own for the most part. Obviously, I've had people help me here and there but, yeah. um, as I've progressed. But it's, it's been an interesting, uh, interesting for me because I've kind of made it hunting what I want it to be for me rather than like growing up 
in a family where it's like, this is what hunting is. This is how you do it. Yeah. Right. So everything that I've done in like the, the direction of one has been kind of just exactly what I want to do. So that's kind of nice too. It's awesome to have that tradition and grow up uh, in a hunting family. Yeah. But you gotta, you gotta so clean it's just been a little different. Yeah. So I've just had a little different perspective on it, which is interesting. So um, that's cool. Yep. I think it's awesome. Got into deer and turkey, and those are my two biggest things still. And uh, what's your dad bring you up on the most? Was it mainly turkey? Was he a mainly uh, you know, a poultry hunter? I call it. Was waterfowl? No, he, he didn't hunt at all, and he still doesn't hunt. He just, oh, okay. He, yeah, he was a, a fly fisherman. That's what he really likes to do. He would take me out, but you know, he took hunter safety with me, but had no real interest in hunting. He'd go out with me and take me when I was you know too young to hunt alone. Um, of course. We're extremely unsuccessful, but that's right. how it goes. But, <laughs> but uh, you know, when I was able to hunt on my own um, with some other friends, we were I got into it more. Um, but yeah, I think it was turkeys first, and then deer shortly thereafter. Um, but for many, many years, I was unsuccessful because I was just kind of like a teenager trying to do it on my own for the most right. part and figure it out. Um, I think so. we've all been there. Yeah. <laughs> Chris, what do you okay. got? What'd you start off at? You guys remember watching Tom Miranda? That was unfortunate, wasn't it? Your audio is a little... Hold on one second. Can you hear me? Can you hear me now? Yeah, you're perfect. Yeah. Go ahead. Um, to go back to what he was saying, he said he watched hunting shows on uh, Sports Center. You guys remember Tom Miranda? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. I grew oh, yeah. up watching those, too. That's funny. Um, so, I grew up uh, hunting with my grandfather. He's like your your average like mountain man you know he's got his like green little wool cap on with his two feather hanging off the back oh, and, yeah. jeans, you know? <laughs> and he's got the uh the wool jacket on the checkered jacket perfect yeah um, i think i was about nine years old when i started hunting with him and um didn't kill anything it was awful <laughs> just being in the woods though <laughs> somehow, I, mean, somehow you know, I, I obviously i found the love for hunting it and, and i just kept doing it and uh as i got older and i you know i turned 16 and i got things and then kind of just started teaching myself how how to hunt and i'm gonna be honest the biggest thing was was the internet you know oh, you yeah, start, 100%. start googling like all right how to hunt right and then like three more things come up and then you got like three more questions and, and it just adds up and, um, watched a lot of shows. Um, but yeah, pretty much got everything from the internet. I didn't, he didn't really teach me anything that was valuable to be honest. Um, yeah. gun safety. He did. He did teach me gun safety. Um, I can always remember him telling me, um, he would always say like, if you see a buck or if you see a doe, like there's going to be a buck behind it. Yeah, so, I, agree. I remember that. <laughs> you know, like there's going to be a buck behind her. But I mean, obviously that's only during the rut. Like, right, yeah. But, you know, I guess I guess that was the time we were hunting anyways, you know, during firearm season. Yeah. So I guess that would still make sense, but. Perfect. Yeah. Did he, did he grow up hunting spots where, you know, my grandfather, it sounds just like yours, it sounds like, and, uh. My grandfather still goes to the same spot he grew up hunting, and there ain't nothing there. He probably gets maybe five, six trail cam pictures, a couple good bucks on it, but maybe gets a picture once a month on it, but still hunts that spot every year. 
Was he like that? Would go to the same spot every time, even though it's a deer or not? So he pretty much is. He pretty much hunts his buddy's property. He's always been hunting it. Um, he just goes and walks around in the woods. Just yeah, yeah just fuck it. Let's go. <laughs> so hey, he doesn't believe in all that technology, you know. So oh yeah, he just goes out with his uh, thirty out six and goes at it. Let's see what Nothing happens. Nothing wrong with that. No, yeah. absolutely. So you yeah. guys are both from New Hampshire, correct? Yes. Yeah. And you guys are now in Ohio? Yes. We are right now, yeah. What, Wait, uh, so... Yeah, so... I know, Brett, you live in New Hampshire, correct? Yep. And you're currently living in... Uh, I don't know if this matters to really anyone where you guys live. But, so, um, yeah, I live in southern New Hampshire. Okay, okay southern New Hampshire. Yep. yep. And, Chris, where do you live? So I actually live in Boston right now. Um, I work in the city, but uh, I plan to move back. Yeah, back. I remember you were saying that to me. Yeah, I grew up in Laconia. Yeah, both of you guys did, correct? No. No? I, oh, no. I grew okay. up in Milford. Milford, yeah. Yep. Yeah, so we yep. both grew up in Milton over on um, the east side of the state. Okay. I don't know if you Good. guys know where that is. Milton, New Hampshire. What's is it? Rochester or that's right, north right of, above Rochester? Yeah. 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 Okay. Oh, okay. <clears throat> sure. What brings you boys to Ohio this weekend? Turkeys. Turkeys. Yeah, we um, uh, I've been hunting Ohio for man for uh, over ten years, I guess, at this point. Uh, mostly for deer, but recently more for. For turkeys as well um i came out here when i was 21 i believe because i wanted to hunt the midwest and uh kind of just called actually it was ben rising who i'd seen on jury outdoors and i was like man he's killing some big deer out there in ohio and it's close drive and over the counter tags and uh, i was like maybe i should look at that and i kind of looked him up and i was following him and i um saw that he had actually started an and I was like, well, that's a good place to start. So I called him up, and I don't even know how I heard about his business, but he was like, how do you even know I started this? It's like, we're not even anywhere yet. And so I was one of the first guys. No shit. Really? And another guy, yeah, uh, started it, uh, Jared Hawkins. And uh, they've gone separate ways and done different stuff at, you know, within the last decade. But uh, Jared has become a good friend of mine. Um, so I come out and hunt a lot of the farms. I've been coming out here for over 10 years. Um, and he, he loves the turkey hunt and so do I. So, uh, he actually comes to New Hampshire and turkey hunts, um, from here and I come out and deer and turkey hunt in Ohio. So that's awesome. What, Works out what, pretty well. What brought you to New Ohio, Ohio? Like, uh, did, did someone bring you over there one time and you got into it over there? Or? No, I just, uh, I had always, uh, hunted in the Northeast and I hunted a little bit, I guess, Maryland <clears throat> East coast stuff. And I just wanted to hunt really some bigger deer. Obviously there's bigger deer in the Midwest. And uh, have some more action than I was having when I was younger. I really didn't have a whole lot of luck in New Hampshire. Um, so, like it's I said, I started researching. I was like, where's the closest big buck state to New Hampshire? And Ohio kept coming up, and I just got more and more into it and decided that was the kind of the good direction ahead. So um, then I just dug in Ohio, and like I said, found those guys or these guys here. And um, so I've been coming out here for, like I said, I think it's I think 2009 was my first year so it's been i guess 11 years or so so awesome. it's kind of a nice place it's almost i've been out here so many times at this point it's 
almost like second home. I know the whole area well and where to go and what the animals do. And it's kind of good deal. Kinda neat, so. so yeah, we, uh, we figured we'd get an early start on the season. We're going to do some earlier trips to uh, Kentucky or uh, Tennessee, but uh, obviously everything going on with the virus kind of kept us tight. I was kind of waiting to see, you know, what made sense. And, uh, you know, where we come out here, this is in the middle of like the hills. Like there's nothing out here. Right. Yeah. So I'm not seeing anybody. Yeah. Um, you know, I guess the only exposure we have is like stopping for gas. Um, and, you know, we're being really cautious, washing our hands and all that stuff with hand sanitizer. Right. So it's really pretty low risk. Um, I work for my day job in essential business. So I'm going to work and seeing contacting 30 people every day. Yeah. Um, so wow. there's a high, way I'm more the risk same way, man. I'm still working yeah. and I'm like, yeah. you know, it's like, you didn't tell me that. What? I am. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Chris. Well, yeah, but every you know, I, Chris has got the Rona now. <laughs> yeah, yeah keeping track of it and and uh, you know doing all the things that we should in the business. But the point is, is that it, you know I'm at much more risk there than I am traveling because obviously it's I want to say it's I want to say it's taboo, but like you know, oh, you're traveling during this. It's like, well, yeah, I am, but also I'm not. I'm coming from a rural area. I'm going to a rural area. I'm driving straight through. We're taking the necessary precautions and. Um, you know, the, the risk is really, really low that anything is going to negative come out of this. So right. we decided we knew we were going to do the same thing uh, down to Tennessee, um, but kind of held off a little bit because um, just wasn't sure, you know, what was going on. So um, when you guys are I've jumping been, around state to state like that, are you just uh, do you have something planned out or you just is it you're just targeting uh, public land or? How's yeah, that well, we out? had a we had a good plan uh, earlier in the year. But then, of course, the virus came, and so everything's been up in the air. And I'd say to a to an extent it still is, but we have a pretty good plan for the next, I'd say, couple weeks. Yeah. Um, a lot of the stuff that we hunt is public or public access. Uh, we do have some places like here we are in private. Um, uh, but, uh, yeah, I mean, it's a lot of the places we've either hunted in the past or, like, kind of, like, I always try to pick a new area or a new state or whatever every year and kind of scout it and dive in. And when we do that, it's mostly public. Um, so I think next we have, uh, Massachusetts, well, New Hampshire youth season. Yeah. Uh, no, or Massachusetts. Youth What's season for, for mass youth is will be first. first. Okay. So yeah, uh, so New, Ham- New Hampshire youth and then Massachusetts, um, uh, which I've hunted there for a number of years. So that's, and that's really not too far from where I live. So yep, that's course. an easy jump in. And then we're headed to, uh, we're actually going to head up to Northern New Hampshire and Vermont uh, for the opener for both states and hunt kind of on the border and be able to hunt both states uh, real far up like near the Canadian border. I just thought that'd be something different. Yeah, that's something fun right You there. know what? Yeah. I've, I've always thought about Jeez. that is trying to do that. And the reason being is like the amount of people that probably turkey hunt up there, those birds yes. probably don't get pressured wicked no. hard. You know, no, there's definitely turkeys are relatively new up there. I mean, I don't want people to be like, Oh, they've been there for 20 years and they have in some areas, but yeah, yeah you see um, it when you go up, but. Yeah, I've been growing up going to Pittsburgh, and I've been New Hampshire. Um, my family has a cabin up on Second Connecticut Lake, and we've always went up there to. I actually used to raise sled dogs, so we used to run sled dogs up there. And Dang, do you're hunting. almost an Eskimo, huh? Yeah. Or, yeah. Is that, I don't know if I can say <laughs> yeah, that. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I can say that. Um, so I've always went up there, and I've always wanted turkey hunt, but there was never turkeys when I started going up. But now there is, 
And so I've kind of been like fantasizing about making a turkey hunting trip up there. But there's so many birds down where I live that it's kind of tough to leave. Right. And then finally, with all this virus stuff, I usually have like a turkey camp in my house the first week. So a pile of people come. We kind of canceled it this year because of everything that's going on. I said, well, that's a good opportunity to finally go up and do that. So we actually, Chris and I went up. It was last weekend, right, Chris? I think. Um, I believe so, yes. Yeah. So went up scouting last weekend and found some birds and. Yeah, I, I have no idea what to expect. I mean, we know there's birds there. We saw them. That's going to be stuff. cool as shit, man. That's going to be fun. Yeah. So we're going to camp and just see. I don't know what it is. I've found that um, the further north you go and uh, I guess the newer the turkey population is to an area, the, the easier they are to kill. Right. I, I don't want to say they're easy, but it seems like they're less pressured. They don't get called to as much, and they're exactly. just not as educated like population of birds. like. <clears throat> turkeys have been down south forever and so you know every gobbling hard gobbling two-year-old has been shot for the last 80 years so like the birds they're making it are the ones that don't talk and the smarter birds so the dumb ones have kind of been shot out but i feel like as it kind of creeps north and gets into some new areas the pressure's low and those birds are still prevalent so i've found that the further northeast you go um speaking of is it can be better hunting like we're in ohio and like you might think ohio is awesome for turkey hunting and there's definitely turkeys here and some big ones but uh the northeast is way easier to turkey hunt than ohio i think chris you're a little surprised that we actually were out for a weekend today today was my first day really ever hunting turkeys in ohio i've never hunted turkeys i've hunted deer out here um but it's it's absolutely different um when i was talking to jared earlier he's like you know, one morning this bird's roosting over here. The next morning he's a mile down there. And I, from what I'm seeing today, I don't really see the numbers that I see back home. Um, Is it because it, of the landscape or just the pure number of birds? Like, what's the, what's it look like out there? It's hilly and then it's flat and um, so it's they're steep. very steep. Yeah, very steep hills. Hardwoods. We're walking them today and it was really busting my butt. <laughs> this is area is is like the hills but it's on the fringe of ag so yeah. you get kind of a good mix of but it's really good for it's actually really good habitat for deer and turkey but i don't know i think they've probably had poor poult production years and hatches um What's for a while. it honestly doesn't make sense because i mean all the timber <clears throat> is white and red oak so they got um, everything they need yeah yeah it doesn't make any sense and there's a lot of early succession habitat there's great browse and cover and i don't know maybe there's a more there's, you know what the thing there is out here? There's a lot of nest predators. So there's a ton of raccoons and possums. Possums. Um, Bobcats and, and, and all that stuff. So that probably takes a toll on them. Brett even said to me, he said, uh, before we even got here, he's like, you got to be on your game because these birds come in and they got their head up and they're looking. They're not stupid. And, uh, you know, yeah, their heart called sure you. So, yeah. I mean, I, I saw it this morning. I mean, it was tough this morning. We went out with a youth hunter. Um, but yeah, hopefully tomorrow. You guys, you guys got... find one roosted. Yeah, uh, yeah. roost a few of them. So I'm actually gonna head to a different area, a little bit further south, that I have permission to hunt on a, a family farm. Um, and Chris is gonna film uh, our buddy Jared and his son, and they have three roosted in a really good spot, and they've been there. We saw him this morning, and he's seen them the last few days. So I think they should have a pretty good hunt in the morning. So it should be exciting. Oops. Now you can hunt all day over there. I'm guessing. Um, you no, you get the first half of the season. It's till noon, like you know, in New Hampshire. But oh, okay. The second half, you can hunt all day. 
second half Jared, of the season. Jared did say something about youth hunters being able to hunt all day. I don't know if that's true or not. Yeah. Um, it's still, it's kind of a lock for a, I think his son's 12 to like hunt. Yeah. Like, oh, I can day, barely man. do it. <laughs> I make it to 1030. I'm like, shit, I'm tired. I can take yeah. a nap. <laughs> yeah. Wow. How long have you guys been uh, like hooked up together? I, I, I assume you guys film. You know, I've seen some pictures and stuff. Yep. So Chris is filming you, and like, how, how's how'd that happen? Do you remember uh, Chris? I think I messaged Brett on Instagram and said something beyond the lines of like, uh, "Hey, I saw you on Midwest Whitetail, um, and I really liked filming." And, and then it kind of just took off from there, and. He's pretty much taught me everything I know about a camera. I didn't have to go take classes or really research anything. It's all hands-on in the field. And <clears throat> from last year, I remember um, we were hunting birds in Massachusetts, and he gave me the camera. And I, I was like, dude, I don't know how to use this thing. Yeah, okay. <laughs> I felt so stupid. But, um, yeah, I've used the camera since then, and it's crazy, like, how much you just progress, like, I can go out there right now and I pretty much know everything about the camera and, and how to use it. And, um, we've been on some awesome trips, uh, we went to Alberta. So I got to go out there and we filmed all fall. So I got a lot of experience now. And yeah, I, I have cool. a fair amount of people that contact me and like want to get into filming. Right. Yeah. Um, but it's a huge commitment to do it to like to the level that we do. Um, and so I'm kind of like, okay, you want to get a film? Like, all right. And so I kind of like give some people guidance and I'm, I want to see them motivated and doing it on their own and making an effort before I'm going to like spend a bunch of time trying to teach somebody because it's just, right. I've just been wasting a lot of time in the past doing that. So when Chris contacted me, he was asking me questions. I was like, let's see what this kid does. You know, let's see what he wants to do. And if he's into it and he, he went and he filmed turkeys all spring last spring. Um, with my own camera. With no, his own really. camera, his own stuff, and learned a lot. And he shot, and I sent, you know, gave me the footage to look at, and it was good. And I was like, "All right, he's serious about it." Right. Anyway, so I said, "Okay, well, let's let's see where this goes." So, you know, he's come a long way, and he's pretty darn good with the camera. He has a really good eye, um, an artistic eye. Sometimes I tell him the shots are too pretty, and this needs to shoot normal stuff to well, get it. Yeah, like, I, oh, I, I, I gotta get this show on. I want to get that. I kind of wanted to roll into that just a little bit. Is is uh, yeah, we're dabbling new into. Well, I'm I'm more into photography, and um, I would say I'm more in photography and filmmaking. Yeah. Point. I want. That's what I probably pretty pretty much will do all season this year with them. Is just film and take pictures. Yeah. So but, we're we're rookies at it, but like yeah, when it comes to B roll and getting the shot and you know carrying the shit in the woods and like people Dude, people yeah people watch something on tv or watch something on youtube and they're like oh yeah like this is a hunting video but they don't actually know what goes on and what you know all the footage that you can actually take and then it just goes away and then you know so go into like yeah. that filming process i guess a little bit do you want me to go grab like the setup so you guys can kind of see like what i'm working with yeah and fuck I can yeah yeah That'd be sweet. Yeah, if you yeah. want. How'd you get into it, Brett? Did you take uh, photography and school? No. Uh, so I started, honestly, like the biggest thing and I learned the most and I got like into it is I, I really liked Drury Outdoors, to be honest with you, when I was a kid. Um, yeah, I watched I, all of them, even yeah, when you had a little I, competition going on. I just, uh, honestly, I probably learned more from Mark Drury just watching his stuff 
than like anything. Um, and so I was kind of motivated to do that through watching their stuff. Um, he's a really good deer hunter and turkey hunter, regardless of where he lives. He does have some of the best farms out in the world for whitetails, but he's a technically, and you know, he knows what he's doing regardless of where he's hunting. So I, I learned right. a lot from him and I kind of was able to apply that to the Northeast, which is sometimes a challenge, but, um, I really got into it kind of in college. I started filming my hunts. Um, I guess just for fun with like a handy cam and really liked it. And, uh, we kind of progressed, and I, we filmed like a turkey DVD a long time ago with like an old GL2. You is, know, that, is, that, is that thing still around? Uh, the DVD? <laughs> yes, I got like uh, a bunch of boxes of them up in my dad's barn. No shit. Yeah, that, that would be it's cool. It's not great, I'll be honest. <laughs> um, but, you know, it was our first stuff. So we did that, um, and then what else? I mean, we did a little, yeah, we did that for a while, um, and we're filming, and I kind of, was getting into it pretty good and i was like i want to do something with this that has a little bigger platform than here so um my buddy ross Roberts, who i still film with today he doesn't turkey hunt because of his job he doesn't have time but he's big into deer hunting we film each other doing that but um we decided we wanted to film for midwest whitetail uh, bill winky's show in in iowa um they have a regional show in the northeast so we kind of applied to that and we got in and uh we kind of dug into it pretty pretty deep uh i went out to iowa a couple times and they have like a little film school that they have they have a summer meeting and like a film school and all that stuff so i learned a lot from them actually that kind of got me to the next level i had a basic understanding but they kind of gave me the resources i needed and kind of explained like here um use these resources to learn and they gave you like they had something called a filming bible and i learned a lot from that um and then i kind of took off and just have always been a you know, really learning a lot about that. Another person that was really instrumental in me learning is William Altman. He films, I don't know if you guys are familiar with Sick Man or Donnie Vincent stuff. Um, they I'm do some really, sure. yeah, really high, um, high-end outdoor films. Um, they're probably, honestly, the best in the industry, in my opinion, um, as far as quality goes, quality production. But he's just a master with the camera, and uh, he's taught me a lot. I've kind of followed him. He's actually younger than me, but he's been doing that. He does, a, that's his full-time job is, right. is he's a, director of photography so he's kind of like helped me a lot on the technical side and he's always on top of gear stuff so he's like kind of trickling the information down to me so he's kind of my lookout for new gear and new things and you know paying attention so i learned a lot from him as far as the technical side and then obviously midwest whitetail i learned a lot from those guys as well um we did that for a number of years and we're pretty successful at it um we're on uh, the tv show and all that stuff and had some really good hunts um and then kind of decided that we wanted to start to do some of our own stuff. And one of the other guys at Midwest Whitetail, John Lewis, started his own production company. Um, so the past, oh, I'd say three, four years, we've been kind of doing that. And we have a, uh, this is the third year of our turkey series. We did it for Scout Look the first two seasons. And this season we're doing it for Mossberg exclusively. Um, and then we just filmed last fall the first season of a deer series, which uh, – is based entirely in new england um oh, that's no for shit. real that's for real tree and that will come out this fall and i think it's going to be a pretty pretty awesome that's yeah, awesome that is incredible yeah. very quick question did you have a girlfriend or a wife uh, throughout that whole process um 
I'm married now with two kids. Uh, I guess you can. So we can make it. We can make it. (laughs) You think back. I mean, I have an awesome wife that's super understanding, and she knew going in that this is what I like to do, and she's just she's great. But uh, you know, and it's not easy either. Like it's it's don't get me wrong. Like it's not easy to go take off and do whatever you want. You know, I I think one of the biggest things, if you want to do all this, and you have a full time job, and you have a wife, and you have kids, and you want to be big in this, you have to really learn how to uh, manage your time. And you have to learn my biggest thing. I always look at things. I'm like, okay, what am I going to do today? And I look at, you know, the priorities that I have. And then I think to myself, okay, if I'm going to do something in the woods, is this getting me closer to where I want to be? Like killing a deer, killing a turkey, filming a show. So like sometimes like, like for example, shed hunting, I love to shed hunt, but for the most part, Go looking out just wandering around the sheds is not doing me any good. Like I, I don't have time. I'd love to do it and I but I just I'm like, how is this gonna help me kill a deer in the fall? How is this gonna yeah. help me film a series? He's got a good point there. <laughs> yeah. So I, I really have kind of cut that stuff out and it's kind of a bummer sometimes. I see guys go out doing stuff. I'm like, Oh, I wanna wish I could do this, but I have to kinda you know, stay focused. And that that it, the older you get and the more responsibility you have, um, yeah. that becomes extremely critical. When I was like twenty and oh my god, I can't even I wasted so much time. And I tell Chris this sometimes. I'm like, man, you ought to be out just like yeah, doing this because you have the time. And right. I'm like, if I had your time, but you know, it's just that's just the kind of the progression you have is you know, you go from a kid to an adult and responsibility. Yeah. So um, you just have to be efficient and learn how to maximize your time and still get the same results. So that's kind of what I work on and strive to do. It's, it's a challenge, though. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I want to. I want to. I want to come back to um, the films and stuff and, yeah. and everything. But um, Chris, why don't you let us know what you got, what you're packing for heat there? <laughs> are you Are you uh, hung up with a girl? Uh, that's a good question. Actually, uh, she dumped me on Monday last week. Ah. <laughs> 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 oh. Yeah, unfortunately. Sorry to hear that. Yeah, it's all good. Um, so. Uh, <laughs> This is all of Brett's stuff right here. Um, this is what we run uh, when we're filming turkeys. Um, this is a Sony A7S II. Um, I don't know. Do you use a Canon, Lance? Or I, I got a Sony uh, two. Okay. Do you use the R or the S? Uh, just the Mark II, just the original okay. one that came gotcha. out the second one. So, so, so this the, it was just at a good price. That's all. <laughs> A7S II. Um, Shoots in 4K, uh, shoots slow mo at 120. Um, we have an adapter on here with Canon glass. This is a 28 to 300 push pull. Um, what are they? What's the higher end glass for Canon, Brett? Uh, L series. L series glass. So it's it's good glass. It's expensive glass. Um, they don't the make adapter, those ones cheap. No, they do not. Jesus. Adapter on top um, is for XLR, so we can hook up our shot. Um, for all the audio in front of us and then um, the hunter is always hooked up with uh, a lavier um, wireless with, system yeah. yeah actually uh, they're right here next to me they're, these are roads oh you guys really use sweet. the road yeah these are inexpensive the, the audio quality is pretty good they're rechargeable and uh, they're really lightweight and so this talks to this essentially and you can see on the camera on Chris's setup there's a, a red cable there and this actually plugs into that cable and so it'll take the signal from the hunter relay it to that and the right end of the actually the audio adapter on the top and then the camera so you have two audio channels that's one of the things that a lot of people overlook 
when they're getting into uh, filming is audio. That's like half of the That's production. The big, yeah. A lot of people um, half kind of they ignore that. Yeah, that's huge. I mean, if you can nail audio, uh, it really enhances the video and it makes stuff a lot more watchable. Um, hold on a sec. So, oops, sorry. Um, actually, my wife calling me right now. Um, so yeah, that, that's that's one of the things that uh, is really important to try to nail down audio. And uh, if you can, you just get like a shotgun mic. You don't have to have XLR inputs. You can have just a regular um, input into the camera body. But that's one thing that a lot of guys can make a lot, uh, a lot of ground up if they really focus on their audio. Um, you know, wind noise and trying to monitor levels and eliminate feedback, um, and just be aware of kind of how audio works. Um, it's nice when we have that dual XLR inputs because we have two channels. So if one channel there's too much feedback or wind noise, or we have something, you know, getting someone's voice, right? Um, you can you, you can rely on one channel versus the other. If you have one channel, you're kind of stuck with it. So if the audio is junk, right? Not much to do. And audio is extremely difficult to recreate. Um, now those those road mics, I think they're only like two hundred bucks, so they're actually yeah. get affordable, yeah. and they're they sound great. Um, I had the road, um, road link kit. Um, I actually just got rid of it and I don't think I can tell any difference between that and the road link kit that I bought was twice the price of these or the ones he just showed you. Um, yeah, yeah. if you were going to do like studio stuff or commercial stuff, there's definitely higher quality audio recording you know, devices out there. But if you're running around in the woods, um, you know, it's, it's, <clears throat> This is a very expensive sport. Oh, I know. <laughs> well, yeah. when you get back into when you get into filming, <laughs> you know, it is. Yeah. It oh, really is. This morning, Brett and I were both filming uh, Jared and his son. So I was behind this camera and Brett was actually using my R um, and kind of right. getting some close up stuff and I was kind of set back. But like if if Brett's hunting and it's just me as the cameraman and we don't have another guy to you know hold the second angle um brett actually this is his um it's a sony rxo and we use these as our second angle and they're like little gopros and they shoot in 4k and they're pretty much you Holy said plants huh you said you use sony cameras well yeah i just got the sony mark ii so like the menus and everything, it's like the same, same exact thing. thing on here. Holy it's shit, that thing's tiny. Yeah, it's it's honestly it's probably smaller than a GoPro, right? Yeah, no, yeah, I, definitely. No shit. I think yeah. it is. And it shoots good good stuff. Now with yeah. that Canon adapter to that Sony S two, um, you guys are you guys running autofocus or are you guys just manual focusing the whole time? I'm manual focusing. Yeah. I don't I I haven't really done a lot of autofocus stuff. Um, yeah. camera, I have a Sony lens, so it's native, and right. I think the uh, autofocus is actually pretty clean. Um, Brett was using it this morning. Yeah, you can use it in some applications, but like uh, you just have to be careful and know when to use it. Um, you can really mess up a lot of footage if you're using it when you shouldn't, so you just have to be aware. If it's like you're filming your subject and there's like nothing around them, they're like in a field or like in the open timber or whatever. Um, and there's a lot of space. There's nothing in the foreground, and there's the background is set far back. You can get you away can with autofocus. autofocus. But yeah. other than that, like I don't know that we ever film animals in autofocus. I don't okay. Ever. So 
Um, well, our setup doesn't autofocus actually. That right. Chris has there, so we're always using manual, um, and that's really important uh, because you know it's you, you've seen it a thousand times when someone's trying to film an autofocus and there's like a branch in between them. And oh, yes. and you can't it's like focusing on the branch, and it's like they're trying to get it to go in. Yeah, I know. Yeah, zoom in, zoom out. Just, zoom in, ah. zoom out. <laughs> yeah, yeah. For it's it. brutal. So <sighs> I think it looks more creative too. It looks more clean when you can you know roll your focus right into right. your your object and there's cool shots that you can get with using manual focus like i could be kind of like on a tree like i did it this morning actually with you and jared and uh and grady sitting up there i kind of i racked the focus off the tree and came to you guys and that's like you know a cool yeah shot, so. yeah definitely yeah. yeah i definitely gotta dabble in that uh doing manual focus more but yeah what are you learning process for you know Shots like that, you like you just talked about. Are you, Brett? I know you talked about, you know, the uh, filming Bible or whatever. But other than that, um, like, how do you guys come up with the shots? Is it just is it just from the experience you've had, or is it like watching other videos? Is it just randomly going yeah. through and being like, hey, look, I want, I need this shot. So I think there's the the cool thing is with filming is you know it's it's almost like art. You can kind of do it however you want and have your own style. Um, so we've kind of developed our style. We like to shoot really clean, pretty looking footage, but at the same time, we like to shoot stuff that's really raw. So um, we're always like, we don't do a ton of stage stuff. Like we do, you know, some shots where like, hey, let's, hey, can you walk down that path again? Cause that's really pretty. And like, we right. use that as a B-roll or cutaway for at some point. But like when the actual hunt's going on, we try to get everything in the moment. Um, and that's a challenge to get it in focus, exposure right, frame right, as it's happening. So you have to be really on it. Um, so we try to shoot it as it happens. So it's almost like let the story play out and just film it as it goes. And you just, um, as, a, as a camera guy, you want to be aware of the tip, the shots that help tell that story. Right. Um, you know, when, when I'm, and we talked, Chris and I talked about this the other day, but when I'm talking or I'm filming something and I'm filming a hunter or whoever, and they're talking about something, I'm making a mental checklist of everything that they're talking about. And if I didn't already film it, I'm going to go back and film that. So like, you know, when we're talking about, Hey, we, uh, you know, it was snowing this morning. It was really cold. Well, I'm going to try to get some shots of the snow and then like maybe some frost or some ice to show that it's cold, stuff right. like that. Yeah. So, you know, you want to get a good solid, uh, I guess, interview as things happen and get, good audio from the hunter telling their story but then you want all the footage to back all that stuff up because the worst is when someone's talking to the camera for like five minutes straight and there's no yeah, same thing it just gets really monotonous and difficult to watch uh, i know midwest white still used to have a rule and it's it was it was loose but it was a guideline that like they would not roll footage more than seven straight seconds of someone talking to the camera that go to cut to something so and it really helps the story move along. So audio is um, cutting through that, but they're like could jump yeah, to yeah. you know whatever yeah. scene yeah. or whatever. So I mean, it's just a, a style. Uh, I mean, there's there's just so many different styles of doing it. Um, there's like you know I, I guess the two spectrums would be like Heartland Bowhunter. If you guys have watched their stuff, they yeah. do a lot of montage stuff, extremely pretty stuff. A lot of it's staged, and they're taking a lot of time, but it flows really well. They have a lot of music, and they aren't using as much raw audio. Um, but then you have stuff like, uh, the hunting public. Um, and it's funny because those guys are literally cut from the same cloth. They just kind of went in different directions. A lot right. of, um, 
so they're I mean they started more or less the same area and those guys are really raw they're not really focused on that stuff that's focused on teaching talking to the camera shooting it as it happens you know not worried about a bunch of cutaways um and, and just kind of trying to show the viewer it as raw as possible over the shoulder stuff so um and both both styles are really awesome and people like you know I like them both. I like to learn yeah. from them both. I think we're it's, kinda in the middle, I'd say. But uh, I was gonna say, I was yeah. just gonna say that. I just watched be, yeah. yeah, I I watched a couple videos obviously when I you know, it's super short notice podcast. But yeah, like what I could, I was like, you know, I wanna go check out some stuff and I think that's like you just nailed it. It's excellent. It's like a little bit of exactly what you said, both scenarios there. It's not too, you know, production made up and it's more the raw it's like yeah it's fucking perfect so yeah i think it's kind of when really john lewis who who posts bruises all our stuff and has the company who you know um basically produces these series yeah for us it's kind of his style too and we've always worked well together because we kind of saw had the same mindset and saw saw it the same way um the, the other thing i would say is like really focus you're telling a story with what you're doing and whether you're telling the story as it happens or you have like a set where you're trying to direct the story in a certain direction be aware of that so you just want to tell the entire story and don't leave gaps like that's the biggest thing i see guys it's like you know they're doing one thing and then all of a sudden it's like they cut to like a week and a half later and it's a totally different thing it's like what just happened and now it's the so right like, <laughs> yeah you can do that but you just gotta try to give some context and and transition from one to the other so think of creative ways to do that right um you know sometimes stories take years to tell so you're not gonna you know no one's gonna sit there and watch 10 hours of a four-year-long story but yeah you know put some context and, and show show what happened and, and tell people yeah, people like to tell the tough, story man. i didn't even think about that I, I would i listened to uh a wired to hunt podcast and a history with that deer but trying to fill film a uh you know a history with a deer like that four years like would you yeah. keep the footage on that sim card for four years and make that yeah, into a story that's a that's we didn't tough. even honestly there what there isn't a lot of footage at all from years past of hunting that deer even but no but um, just like you're saying i was yeah. just making that as an example like if you yeah, try no, to do that that's a big that's a long yeah, time sure it is. and there's things you can do to catch it up i mean you can start anywhere in the story you want right but just try to give some backstory to catch people up and then you know just you just have to be aware if the people want to know what you're doing and where you're at and like right. how you got there if they know that it doesn't matter where you start just it's fine um but you know it's just i see a lot of stuff it's like you don't know what you're watching you don't it's it's tougher to relate to people if you don't know how they got there or what happened before or what the goal is you know you, it's tough to follow the story the more the follow you can follow the story people can relate and they stay interested in, you know, what you're doing. Right. That's a good point. I know we're wrapping up here on 45 minutes. So I know you guys got an early morning in the morning. So, uh, I guess we can jump into some, uh, Turkey tactics if you guys want. What, what do you guys actually find different? What's different? Um, I'd say Turkey wise from the birds out in Ohio than the birds over here. Like I'm, I know you're saying, uh, they were more uh, weary out there. They're always looking, I definitely think there's less birds. Uh, that's just me. Yeah. I mean, how many birds? So this morning, we had three gobbling, few yep. hens, and then we didn't see them till we actually moved. So I saw, I probably saw like five turkeys all day, and I mean, we put some ground on. 
Yeah. So that's a big one. Um, these birds are just, they're, they're unpredictable. Like Chris was saying before, they're, they're roost on one ridge today and then they'll be across the valley, like a half mile away on another ridge the next day. And one day they'll fly down to the bottom from the limb. Next day they'll fly up onto the ridge. Um, they're just like, are really difficult. Damn, that's frustrating. You have to like catch them in the right mood. And, um, I have definitely struggled here. The turkeys I've killed in Ohio are probably the ones that I'm most, that feel most accomplished to kill, I guess you could say. And, and it's funny because literally I'm hunting private land that no one else is hunting. Right. Yeah. So okay? it's not like, like they're getting smacked at every day. In, yeah. In, in, in some, in sometimes these farms, they haven't been hunted in like a year or two, but they're still far harder to kill than any bird in, you know, Pennsylvania or New York or New Hampshire or Vermont or Massachusetts, which is interesting. I think the, the biggest thing that when I first came out here and started turkey hunting, I drove through a public land area. It was a really big one, but uh, it was right the day before the season, so I hadn't been pressured yet. And we're driving down this dirt road, and this long beard walked in, into the dirt road, and I could see like 300 yards. And, uh, you know, he walked in, and I'm like, oh, long beard, look at that. So he's like, look, and just as soon as he walks in, he looks at the truck, and he takes off flying. So oh he knows. God. He's like, I'm oh, like, oh that's not a bitch. I think I might get these, shot from the truck one day. Like, these, these turkeys are a little different. I mean, in New Hampshire, I mean, you can almost run them over. Oh, run them over, yeah. Um, I so will say. It's way different. I will say, when I, when I was in high school, I had this little red Mazda. And me and my buddy Braden, we were hunting these birds, like this one field. We would go back to the same field and, like every day and just like look at them before the season. Well, I, I parked the car so many times there. That when the season came, <laughs> they saw my car. I swear to God, they would take off. Yeah, yeah no. <laughs> he knows. That's yeah, I pulled in too many times. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, awesome. they're very, very wary. Um, like I said, they come in like looking, like, like you know, it's like they oh, yeah, the get up and they look, looking. and if they don't see it, they're gone. And you know, it's just you can get away with less. More, you have to be more precise with your setups. Um, you guys are running decoys with the use. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Um, decoys, sometimes they don't react great to decoys. I mean, a lot of times they will, but um, they're warm war. I mean, decoys have to like look right. <laughs> um, so it's, there's just less margin for error and you have to be like more on your game, I guess you could say. Right. So if, uh, if you're hunting an area, say, well, like uh, tomorrow you're in Ohio <clears throat> and you're hunting, do you, with the less birds, do you use. Do you find yourself using Jake or Tom decoys as much with a low populated area of birds or yeah. well, do you just like use, tomorrow, you just run the hen? I know it's tomorrow, so situational. It really yeah. is. Jared's yeah. going to tomorrow. Jared's going to want to run uh, DSD uh, half strut Jake over okay. a bedded hen because we have three long beards roosted tonight above us. So <clears throat> that's a good call. That's a good know? move. Yeah. Of, yeah, I mean, it really is situational. When when you're going in and you know what you're hunting, you can make a, a lot. Like you roosted a bird or a group of birds, you can make a determination. Just like watch the bird. Like, for example, if there's there's a lone long beard and there's like four jakes in the field or in the cot or whatever and they're chasing the jakes around, that long beard is chasing jakes around. Right. You know that he's an aggressive bird. He's a dominant bird. And he's not going to put up with anything for jakes. So put a jake decoy out. But – I've seen some situations where the jakes are chasing him around. So if you put a jake decoy out in that situation, he's not going to want to come into it because he thinks the rest of them are there. He doesn't want to right. deal with you it. Don't get so, harassed. so I wouldn't use a male decoy at all. 
sometimes you get these groups of, um, you know, three plus long beards and they're going to be super aggressive, but you almost say need a strutter decoy to get their attention because they're not going to take a Jake seriously. So in that situation, I think Jared actually was talking about maybe using a strutter tomorrow, but like we'll run a full strut decoy and you get some really aggressive radical reactions in certain situations. So it really depends on the situation. If I'm just running and gunning, um, and I, I'll bring decoys and I use them and they work. But a lot of times if you get a bird coming in, like, especially in the timber, like you don't, you're just going to sit down. Yeah. You almost need it. And like, I'll put them out, but like I've had some negative reactions from birds in the timber and decoys. It's almost like they pop up and see them and they don't, they just don't. Right. They just want to stay there. Yeah. Um, just want to stay there. And and really, if you, yeah, if you can position yourself so that once the bird can see what he, where he thinks the sound's coming from, he's already in gun range. You don't need a decoy because he's dead by the time he, you know, comes up over the rise around the corner or whatever. So it's what so guys, situational. What do you guys use for decoys? I just run a single avian yeah. X, uh, just a feeder hen. But yeah. um, Ty has this one decoy I had growing up. We, uh, Me and my father end up getting a, a roadkill hen. I cut all the feathers off of it, just the wings and the tail. And I had... The freaking thing is pieced Hold together, on one second. Right? I got this bitch laying right here. <laughs> so <laughs> I don't use it ball. anymore. She's retired, but it it did it. It did it. Decoy that the head. You know, you've seen those bobblehead decoys. Look pretty real. So I cut the head off of that crappy hen decoy that I put all the hen feathers on, and I stuck the bobblehead. That that decoy has killed so many birds with youth hunters and everything. I'm in the in the wings are just zip tied. The tail's in there, but wait, show them the head. The head's just kind of it's a bubble, yeah. <laughs> freaking stuck on there. But that bird is yeah. that decoy's killed so many birds she's, over over twelve years. She's not the prettiest thing. I've never used the DSD. I've always used Avion X, but this morning yeah. I saw the DSD and they're like they so look good. Like, they're very yeah. good. Very yeah, good the knock I'd have on them obviously they're really expensive and they're yeah. not super portable, but. They look really good, and I've got yeah. some wild reactions from birds. Just like they're they're completely fooled by them. Running right in. in. There's no. They don't. They're like this is a real bird. There's not. There's no question. So I'd be like, I don't know. I'm gonna maybe check it out. They're like all in. So it's pretty deep <laughs> when that happens. The the flexstone decoys for a budget. You know, someone hunting on a budget. Those flexstone uh, flexstone decoys. They look pretty decent. They look kind of similar to an avian X. So I think you can yeah. get into them for, I don't know, 40 bucks. And a lot of it just has to do with the bird's mood. Like, yeah, I mean, they'll run in into to a trash bag if they're fired up, you know? Right. Uh, <laughs> right. So. That's right. true. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It just really kind of depends on the bird. I think the biggest thing with decoys and any turkey on is just trying to read the bird and read the situation and uh, know how to react. And like, honestly, that probably comes mostly with experience and right. just doing it a lot. Um, you know, it, after you have that experience and you start to kind of read the bird and the situation, and, and uh, you can be pretty effective at making the right choice. And right. they're pretty predictable, I would say. Um, although I say that maybe not in Ohio. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> here, but, What's your favorite? Uh, uh, so say New Hampshire <clears throat> is it your favorite um, <clears throat> hunt. Is it going to be off the roost, trying to roost a bird in the nighttime and, and set up on them in the morning or? Wait till that like midday or not midday because you don't hunt till noon, but mid morning. You know, mid morning. Hunt. I, 
I have become, well, so it's interesting. I can hunt for like an hour or two almost every day of the season before work. So most of the time I have just the roost hunt. Okay. So yeah. I'm trying to, I've got like, oh, like I've got pretty good at like figuring out how to like, how to nail that. Like shoot them right off the roost. So <laughs> if I kill like, and I take a lot of people, we film a lot of people, we kill so many birds off the roost that I'm almost like, I don't really like it as much. And one of the worst things is, is like I, I get, well, it's, it's a good thing because it's effective. I get really tight to birds, but like you're like sitting there for 45 minutes. Like, yeah, I don't move. Yeah, yeah, you can move. Shut up. So like it's almost not as fun. I mean, yeah, it's effective. It's I, I think I like running a gun better and like killing a bird at 11 o'clock coming and gobbling. No, and, like, yeah, I think that's awesome too. That's, that's probably what I like the best. Hunt. I'll take yeah. the roost hunt. The roost yeah. hunt? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, last year there were a few times where we got on, like, birds where it was just toms, like, running through the field. And, I mean, you know they're going to answer. They're looking. Right. Uh, they're in search. So, I mean, I guess that's pretty fun, that midday stuff. But I'll take the roost. I'll take, <laughs> take the roost. Time. It's all fun, though. It really yeah, is. Midday, yeah, midday's frustrating. Midday's, it's like, until you find the right sometimes. one. Yeah. I got What's this your- one spot that I hunt pretty much every year. It's a tree farm and it's actually very slow this year. When I get back to New Hampshire in a few days or on Wednesday, I'll check it out to see if it's ramping up. I kind of don't think it's going to be because yeah, just let me know and I'll be there. Yeah. Send me those gyps numbers. (laughs) It's enough birds for everyone. In the mornings, man, they, um, they roost up on the hill and they'll fly down into this tree farm. It's like you're in the middle of a war zone. Oh really? Like they're flying down, dude. They're like flying over our heads. <laughs> like my buddy, my buddy was filming me last year, and he uh, he had his headphones in and he's monitoring the audio, right? So when you're monitoring the audio, it sounds like it's a lot closer. Oh yeah, it does, everything's yeah. getting so like amplified in there. <laughs> right. He's like, dude, like I felt like they were like right on top of me, and felt like they were, like they were flying down all. Us. There was Jake's beating up the decoys. The toms are coming in. But <laughs> it's like Jurassic Park awesome. up in that bitch. <laughs> yeah, no, that's 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 the best spot. That's awesome. I love it. I love it. All right, we're at fifty-five minutes. Um, what uh, what projects are you guys working on right now? And uh, if you if can, you can if you can give out information. any information or how to follow you guys, maybe. Yeah, I, I think. Uh, Right now, we're filming for, like I said, that Mossberg series. So the Mossberg series is actually a semi-live series. Um, we do a lot of that. So that comes out, you know, relatively quickly after we shoot it. Um, right. So the first two episodes of the season are out now. Um, they're on Mossberg's YouTube. Um, I think that's the best place to find it right now. Um, but they'll continue to be released as the season progresses. So that's usually like about a week turnaround time. So... What you're watching this week will have happened last week. And as the season gets ramps up more and more, it may even be faster than that. So you could watch a hunt from like a, on Saturday on a Monday, okay. which is kind of neat to yeah. see. So that gives people some kind of uh, relevant information, I guess. Absolutely. Yeah. That they push I think it's pretty neat. You guys uh, push out some product then. Right? And that's you called. Push it up yeah. Quick. Yeah. John Lewis, like I said, who, who work with it. Cold Front Creative is really good at that. He's he just that's his kind of his his niche. He just can he does uh so I've worked on several shows for Cabela's and he has um a show that he does called Cabela's Northern Flight. It's a waterfowl show and that's he's been doing that for I think man five years now maybe longer. 
Um, but yep, it's all semi live. So it's just it, right, you know, as soon as it happens during the season, it's turned around and it's released. So the turkey content will be like this this spring. The show's called Spring Collective. It's on Mossberg's YouTube uh, channel. That's the best place to find it right now. Um, we're still, still trying to figure out the best way to get it out. We kind of threw it together last minute this year. Yeah. Uh, so, like I said, you're going to see, I think this is the last, yeah, probably the last hunt we'll have outside of the Northeast, but there'll be New York, PA, Massachusetts, uh, Maine, New Hampshire, Vermont. Most of the season will be in those states in the Northeast. Uh, and that will run probably into June when, you know, the seasons are pretty much ending. And then uh, we're still, I've already filmed the first season of the the deer series I had mentioned, but that that's for Realtree. That'll be on um, Realtree 365, um, which is their kind of digital uh, media app. Um, we're just wrapping production is is well, it's still go- undergoing. The field production's done. We filmed it all last season. Nice. Um, and Chris was one of the main instrumental camera guys on that project. So those are the two things right now um, that we're working on. I don't think. Do you, Chris, you got anything that I don't know about? I just can't wait for everyone to see that deer series. It's it's truly amazing. It's going to be cool. That's awesome. Yeah, dude, I can't wait. I'm excited. Yeah. We're going to... Hopefully we can get that out. Hopefully we can get that out. It's going to probably be July or August before it comes out, so we have some time yet um, before people can look for it. But I think you can follow me or Chris... On social media, you'll be able to find it, and I think Realtree should do a pretty good job of marketing and pushing it, so you you know see it anyway. But absolutely, um, best place to follow me is on Instagram, and that's at BrettJoy22, and Chris probably the same, but not the same handle. <laughs> CD96. Say it again. Alrighty, we'll we'll, awesome, uh, we'll we'll post it in the notes anyways, cool. but uh. Yeah, I appreciate it. Short notice. Yeah, I know you guys got an early fucking day tomorrow, so um, I appreciate everything. That's huge. You don't want to, you guys. Um, you guys don't want to talk to a bunch of amateurs, right? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, we can what talk. Were you, what were your thoughts coming into the doing the podcast with, with just some random person or random random people? I mean, I like to talk hunting, so if people are willing to talk and want to hear what we have to say and trade information, I think it's neat. Um, I mean, I could talk about it all day. I've done a few podcasts, and, um, you know, I, I enjoy them. It's good to talk hunting, and it's good to – I think the biggest thing is just to get – is important for people to hear different people's perspectives on things and how um, they may do things differently because I think we get – we tend to be in our own bubble and think the things yeah. are – our reality is – or the reality is just what our reality, and, and it's nice to get different perspectives on things and see how different people do it. Um, and then- that's kind of where me and Ty and Nick are going with this podcast thing. It's just like, uh, we just call up random people that hunt and just see everyone. Has <laughs> hey, how you doing? Yeah. <laughs> My name's hey, Tyler. You, <laughs> but, now, uh, you know, yeah. one of the things I don't like to see is, is, uh, you know, some people have an attitude that like the way that I do things and that I hunt and that I interact with yeah. the natural world is the only That's way the and way. the right way to do it. And I just really get, I don't have much patience for that. Um, you know, as long as you're doing things legally um, and ethically to an extent, although ethics are kind of something that's some people have different ethics, right? I think right. there's some things that are definitely no-nos that 99% of people are going to think are unethical, but then there's a lot of gray areas. But more or less, um, as long as you're doing things legally and you're enjoying what you're doing and you're getting out of it what you 
want to get out of it and what you want it to be, I think that, you know, you should be celebrated for what you're doing. And I just don't like to see people like bashing. I mean, there's like, you know, bow hunters versus gun hunters and turkey yeah, hunters versus, yeah, decoys versus no decoys and private land versus public land. And this, right. you know, meat hunters versus trophy. It's like, man, oh, just, it goes on it, and on and it's on. It's just really tiring sometimes to listen to that stuff. And it's like, Hey, open your eyes. People are doing this for different reasons and get enjoyment out of, different aspects of it and just because just the way that you want to do it and that you've always grown up doing it um doesn't mean that that's the only way and i think probably because i'm more of a self self-taught hunter and didn't grow up with anything i kind of was like a blank slate and just decided to go in the, whatever direction i wanted to i didn't really have any influences to push me in any particular direction i think i'm lucky because i've been able to have that perspective and i've also traveled a lot of you know, all over the place and hunted in many different places and seen different styles that like, you know, people really, really have issues with, you know, hunting over like a feeder in Texas. Right. Um, and personally, that's not my favorite way to hunt, but that's the way that they hunt. And that's, that's what they do. And there's nothing wrong with that. You know? Yeah, no, they get it done. They get it done. Yeah. So I think that's the, the biggest thing is like, from that I like to see from podcasts, it's just different from people's perspectives and just try to listen and maybe you'll learn something. And if, even if you don't like what they're saying or you don't like uh, their style of hunting or what they're doing, um, that doesn't mean that they're doing anything any less than anybody else. So such a good speaker, Brett, such a good speaker. You guys give me shit. You guys give each other shit the whole time, huh? Oh, it's bad. Poor Christian. Yeah. <laughs> hey, he's got a good sense of humor like myself, so it worked out. Excellent. Awesome, guys. We appreciate it. I had a whole, uh, uh, maybe after a deer season or before deer season or whatever, but I had a whole thing of notes that I wanted to get to, and I didn't even really touch what, it just because. What time is it? If you guys, I mean, I got a little bit of time here. We don't, you know, I call this the month of no sleep. Actually, I shouldn't say I did. Jake Bennett, um, who's a really good turkey he's actually on our deer series with us and sometimes on the turkey series but he's a really good hunter in mass and he calls you know this is like the month of no sleep yeah you're so right like by june i'm like wide up wide awake at like 3 30 a.m like let's go and it's like, no, you can sleep for like two or three more hours man like just chill so i'm used to it but right. if you guys have anything quickly you want to touch on i don't mind i don't know what chris what you care we chris got the there's anything you were wanting to really want to touch on and you didn't get to no, I had a bunch of deer shit written down, and I don't want to necessarily get into deer hunting right yeah. now because I know I it's you. turkey season. Uh, yeah, you guys. You guys are can I hit you with a couple so. a couple quick questions, and then we can be done with this because I know it's late. Um, what is your favorite uh, state to either hunt or film in? You can go first, Chris. All right. Um, that's a hard question because so I've killed my biggest buck ever in New Hampshire and I missed a 170 in Ohio last year, but Jesus. it doesn't. Oh my God. <laughs> Absolute monster. It was You're very still replaying it in your head. Brett likes to joke around about it. By the time the arrow got to him, he was in a different county. So. <laughs> I don't know if he technically missed it. He, you know, it's kind of like. Was it a poke? <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it was a poke like, up 50 yards, 50 yards. It was a flight. Yeah, that's yeah. a poke. That's yeah. a poke for me. But there's no, I don't think there's any connection. Like, killing a big mature deer in New Hampshire is totally different than coming out here and, and killing a five oh, and a half. Oh, for sure. Yeah. In Ohio. I don't know. Brett can 
definitely touch on this. He's killed a lot more deer than I ever have, but it's so much more rewarding here, for sure, 100%. Oh, the work you put in around here is nuts. Oh, he's talking about Ohio. And you and you might not see that deer for, you know, years. Right. Yeah. You might never see him. You might never kill him. You might die of old age, you know. It's, it's funny. If you would ask me that this question uh, a few years back, I definitely would have a different answer. Um, it's like, you know, I started hunting in New Hampshire, and I had no success when I started. Um, started to get a little more success, and then, like, that's kind of why I wanted to hunt Ohio more because it was – I don't want to say it's easier, the but it's success easier. rate is um, Yeah, higher, it's just there's obviously. more opportunity. There's bigger deer. Yeah. It's just, you know, there's more – it's just the it's just the way that it is. But It's crazy. I really think, I mean, at this point, I really, I think I have the same answer as Chris. It really is New Hampshire. Like, I just love the challenge um, of hunting in New Hampshire. Uh, and it's so much more rewarding. There's just, uh, it's rewarding everywhere, but there's just something different about killing a deer in New Hampshire, a uh, big deer in New Hampshire. I just, it's like such a rare thing to do, and it's such an accomplishment. And when you pull it off, it's just like, and, and you know, if you're not from the area, it's kind of, it's, it's difficult to understand even what it, what it takes to do it. Um, and I think for filming, it's my favorite as well, because I like to try to tell the story of, of hunting in New Hampshire, whether it's for deer or tur- turkeys. And like, you know, you don't see a lot of stuff out there. Um, no, the, well, no, that's what I thought. Answer. This no. is great. Like, this is like, what you no, guys are so, doing is awesome because. And that's. Yeah, and that's kind of why I'm motivated to do what we're doing now more than I ever have been, just because I want to show people what it's like around here, and not just maybe the deer, but the culture and what goes into it and what the you know what it's like. And because a lot of people from other parts of the country just have no idea, um, and so that's a that I'm motivated to tell stories in New England and in New Hampshire that haven't been told, and I'm motivated to kill deer in New Hampshire that are maybe the hardest in the country um, Absolutely. between you know, Maine and New Hampshire and Vermont. I don't think you can find a, a harder area to kill a mature animal. So, you know, if you asked me this five years ago, I might've said Iowa or Canada or Ohio or whatever, but I think now it's kind of come full circle and I'm really appreciating, uh, you know, my home state for what it is and the opportunity. You know, people say like Vermonters are some of the best hunters in the country and like they'll kill deer anywhere. They're just it's because they have the hardest deer to hunt in the yeah. country. So like they if you can kill a deer and those guys can kill deer in Vermont, they can go anywhere in the world and be successful right. in anything. So it's true. I believe in that. So um you know, it's been it's cool because you have a really good foundation if you grow up hunting here. No, yeah, you you're exactly struggle, right. You can bow real. hunt and you're bow yeah. hunting, you know, you can before the rut kind of, you know, still hunt in muzzleloader season and then once snow hits, you can jump to tracking and I think we probably have stuff. some of the most versatile hunters in the country too. Yeah, um, because we there's so much to do, and it's a diverse region of the country. You go from like mountains to huge woods to suburban stuff to some farmland. So um, a lot of it's packed into a little area. Absolutely. Have you filmed tracking at all? Yep, I think we just we uh, pay attention. <laughs> that? That, pay attention that's hard, isn't that? It's it's a yeah, it's really hard. <laughs> Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off there, Brett. You said uh, pay attention to what? Sorry. To yeah, this, this, the series Real Treat Sea Bucks is coming out. We have a couple um, hunts that where we tracked, and uh, they're definitely unique. They're definitely a challenge. It's a lot easier to sit in a tree stand with a camera arm. It's a lot more of a controlled environment. A lot more predictable tracking is a whole different thing. Unfortunately, it makes for sometimes less 
dramatic and pretty footage, but it's super real. And yeah. It happens, yeah. And, it happens, oh, yeah. and you can't really, it is what it is. So, but it's, it's, it's pretty cool. So, yeah, I think that's one of the cool things about our series too, is I think we do a fairly good job of showing the diverse types of hunting in new England. Um, and that's kind of what we aim to do. So we have a lot of big wood stuff. We have swamp stuff. We have some coastal stuff, suburban stuff, and then some mountain stuff too. We have, you know, we have some hunting on food plots, bow hunting on private land. We have, uh, and then we have like, you know, tracking and the big woods is too. So we have kind of something there for everyone and want to try to show up. Huge variety. Yeah. So when we went to, uh, Brett and I went to Alberta this past September. Um, when you just asked me that question, like, what's your favorite state to hunt deer? Um, I guess I was just thinking where I've hunted. Right. And it's Ohio and the Northeast. But um, Alberta is like crazy. We, we were in there. It was September. We were there and it was just, it was crazy. It was. That's definitely a close second for me to hunt deer. Yeah. Um, it's something, I don't know, but what it is about there. It's just a really, the people are really nice. It's really a relaxing area to hunt and it's just a beautiful, different environment. And the deer are just huge. I mean, you, it's, it's just mind blowing. Some of the deer that are up there and like, that are just hanging out just in the far North, not getting messed with. <laughs> yeah. Like, what the heck's going I think on that's somewhat hit list, man. I'd love to. Oh, Canada. Love there. Yeah. yeah. That's awesome. And I've been lucky enough to be up. I've been up there three different times. I haven't killed a buck yet, but I will keep going. And I don't yeah. honestly, it's almost like I don't care if I do care, but I'm fine if I don't kill one. No, it's still like always a good time. Yeah. Being sure. around those animals. All right. I got uh favorite. All right. So you touched on the turkey. I said I was going to say your favorite times to hunt. Um, mostly during the year, but with Turkey, you touched on, you know, either off the roost or, or mid morning or whatever, yeah. but your favorite times to hunt deer and you can't pick the first and second week in November. <laughs> huh? I, w- I wouldn't pick, I wouldn't pick either of those weeks. So. All right. Well, really? I know I'm a tracker, so I know I wouldn't either. So I want to hear what you had to say. Um, I would, I, my favorite. So the first week of archery season in New Hampshire is a really good opportunity um, but it can be hit or miss. If you're on a deer that's doing the same thing he was all summer and you find his pocket, you can be extremely successful in, in killing that deer. But if you're not in that pocket, yeah. If Thank you're you. not in that, yeah. in that pocket, you might as well be, I mean, don't, okay. So I got to preface this, everything I'm saying, I'm, I focus on hunting mature deer. So like, I don't want someone that's not in. No, 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 yeah, no, no, that's like, fine. Yeah. Yeah. To, to be like, well, what do you mean? I'm not in the game. It's like, no, you can, I'm, this is what the, I'm, through the lens of hunting a, a mature animal. I'm asking um, you anyway, so. Yeah. Um, so, so yeah, I'd say the first week, of, that's definitely not my favorite time, but that's a really good opportunity. It's probably second, but my favorite time is the third week in November, actually. I, and I have run a lot of cameras for a lot of years and observed a lot of behavior. And I think the best time to kill a really big old deer in New Hampshire is the third week in November from November 15th through 25th. Go ahead. Can you tell them what you told me last year about the does and um, the peak? Because I thought that was very interesting. So this is not anything. I kind of compiled some of the data and uh, interpreted a different way to serve, I guess, hunters better. But um, the head of the Vermont deer program, and right now I'm forgetting his name, and I feel bad because he sent me his his thesis at UNH. I can't remember his name right now. I 
I should remember it, but I don't. Um, he did a senior thesis. He did a study in New Hampshire at UNH, and he basically what he did was he took roadkill does from all over New Hampshire from, I think, like February through April, and you can measure the size of the fetus on pregnant does and figure out when the conception date was, more or less, within a few days. And they, I think they had like a sample size of 250 or something like that. So not huge, but enough. Oh, to no, that's, a, that's pretty, a good amount. Pretty clear, um, pretty clear data and pretty clear message. So I, he actually sent me his his study and the raw data. And um, I would say that more does or the peak estrus in New Hampshire is November 19th. Um, and a lot of people think it's a little earlier than that. Um, yeah. Good information would, right there. Yeah. So, and I've, I actually correlated that to a bunch of trail camera data that was probably had over a hundred cameras running for five plus years in New Hampshire. Wow. And they line up like almost exact. It was really like, Holy smokes, this is something here. Um, so yeah, that I would say right around there is my favorite date. Um, a lot of guys like the early time frame. that can be great too. Anytime in November can be great. But if I'm looking to nail down days, like I'm sitting all day from like dark to dark, from like November 15th, 16th, 17th to the 23rd. If I'm like in a good spot and I think I have an opportunity to big deer, that's when I think I can, I can kill them. So that's my favorite time. That third week is actually when I would, what I would take. How about you, Chris? Sorry. What was the question? I'm like totally <laughs> spit. <laughs> it was your, fa- your, your favorite time, like your calendar week or or month to hunt deer, or you can do film, whatever you want to do. If like, I'm, if I'm, hunting what's the most answer. active? Let's do us. How about that? Like what month or what week of the month is most, most active for you? Uh, uh, filming wise. Um, so filming wise, um, I think we filmed from the beginning of the season to the end. You know, I was filming a few different guys, but uh, everyone was just trying to kill at different times. But from well, a hunting aspect. Yeah, what was the most active, like, deer-wise on film? Probably November. Yeah. Um, I filmed with Brett a lot during November. And uh, after learning all that stuff, it's from the, I would say, even, like, the 10th to the 25th. If you could sit those 15 days in a great spot in New Hampshire, you would a big deer i think every year if you had time and that's a big thing a lot of people don't have time yeah we got kids day job (laughs) if if you can sit out there and and stick it out and sit all day long for 15 days straight that's huge i think you would a great deer every year if you were on a great deer yeah and that can be hard to find yeah i'd say the only other thing i'd say outside of those days during november that i like and i've kind of narrowed down other than that my favorite day to hunt is a cold front any cold that's front. Pretty, pretty simple cold yeah, front that's cold the front, biggest right? thing the yeah like out, outside of the rut i want to hunt cold front it's okay. like there's no question about that and that could happen in september or it could happen are you hunting like days before or a day before the cold front or wait for the actual cold snap to happen usually the cold snap of course the the fronts can hit at different times in the day so you kind of have to you know look at when it's hitting and uh <clears throat> make a decision but usually when it's usually the day when the front hits is good sometimes the day after it's hit can be really good too um so but 
if you can hunt like the day before, the day of, and the day after, that's the best, right? Yeah, so, but yeah, right, right, right. The day that it hits, for sure. All right, uh, last would, one, last one. You got something, Lance? Wait, no, Chris was going to say something. Oh, Chris, if I were to hunt Alberta, I would want to go back the opening day, and that's September 1st. I would want to see that again. I, I have no clue what the rut looks like there, but opening day it was wild huh september yep september 1st holy shit yeah we were there when they were in velvet so it was pretty we saw some good deer every day so good yeah it also had to do with the area they were hunting was on like just crazy unbelievable and i've hunted a lot of places i've hunted all over the midwest and the northeast um but I, i would say if i could travel to and hunt anywhere in the world for whitetails. It would definitely be Alberta. Oh, that's awesome. Dude, Canada's on the bucket list. <laughs> yeah, we, we got to go. on the bucket list. I know what it's I'm doing it. with my stimulus check. <laughs> 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 uh, all right, so last one. Um, Chris, your most memorable hunt. It could be any time from a kid to now. What was your most memorable hunt? Well... I think I, I think I know what that is. Um, back in 2017, I, um, I was after a buck I called any eight and I'll, I'll send you guys some pictures. Um, and I ended up walking up on the mountain one day with my bow, um, and I came across his tracks in a spot where I know that these bucks are coming up off the ridge and then coming up into this big field. And at first, I was following because I think it's pretty stupid to track a deer with a bow. Um, and most people, yeah, they tough. agree. <laughs> whatever it was, I I went and I pulled my cards and I'm going by the camera, which was weird because his tracks went right by it. And I got on these tracks and went for about 100 yards and he was bedded right there and he was like looking from me and i could see we call him because he was just a nice mainframe eight uh he scored 140 and an eighth um and i could see him and i said to myself i said that's that's him that's any eight and uh i got to 30 yards and i drew back on him and some people might not agree with this but i shot him right in the head because it was the only opportunity I had. And um, I can remember he lifted his head and then it dropped. And I was like, so, like, everything was just crazy. Yes, I, believe. I called my dad, I called Braden, I called Brett. You and, tracked um, it? So were you tracking? No. Were you just, I was just, just stalking? I was, no, I was going to, oh, so, yeah, I was tracking. I kind of, I stalked up on him. But I was just going up there to check my trail cameras and, that's really all I was going up there to do that Holy day. Holy shit. And uh, that'll be something that I never forget. <laughs> wow, that's awesome. Holy smokes. Yeah, definitely yeah. send us some pictures of that. That's incredible. That buck that I sent you, that's him. Oh, really? Okay. Yes, that's him. Dude, that's a pig. Yeah. 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 Awesome. A pig. That's my biggest buck I've ever got. That is awesome. Yeah. Man. Brett's um, got a... Brett's got <laughs> I don't, yeah, it's so hard for me to, so it's, it's kind of, it's funny. I would say that my favorite part about turkey season is the memories I make with people that I hunt with. Cause it's more of a social sport. Yeah. I'm always hunting with buddies. 
Um, and there's been so many because turkeys are so fun to hunt all over the place. Um, and every year you make new memories and meet new people and get to hunt with new people and experience new stuff. So I really love turkey season for that. And as far as like memories for deer hunting, I mean, my first deer is really special. My first big deer is really special, but really like anytime you get to share a moment in time with a big, like five, six year old, like New Hampshire buck, like when you encounter him that you've been after, that's really like a crazy moment. And I've been fortunate enough to do it a few times over the years. Um, and I don't know that I can pick any one because they're such special animals. And I feel like if I picked one, that'd be, you know, slighting the rest. But it, it's, I mean, I had a great one this past season that was just unbelievable. Um, but then even, like I said, the first one I shot, I remember probably, I'd say the moment that actually changed me as a hunter was when I shot my first big deer in New Hampshire. And I was like, I'd shot a bunch of, you know, smaller deer and does and whatever. And I liked it, but I was like, man, I really want to shoot a big one. And so I like kind of made the decision that I was going to pass other deer and, um, and really target a big one. Cause I just, I'm like, I just want to shoot a big one for once. I've never done it. Right. And I finally did. Um, I was disciplined throughout most of the year and I, I did shoot a, a really good, it was a seven year old buck. He was like 200 pounds and scored right at, I think 130 or just shy and I remember I walked up on him. I watched him drop, shot him with a muzzleloader on November 7th. And I walked up on him and I just like, I just was like staring at this animal laying down in front of me. And I was like, I was like, just didn't know what to do. I was speechless, just looking at this thing. And I was just like, this is a different animal than, you know, a two-year-old buck or a doe or like, I'm like, this is, this is incredible. I just staring at it. I didn't for like five minutes. I just was like speechless. I was like, Oh my God, look at this animal. And that was the moment I was like, that's all I want to do other than hunt turkeys. Like I just want to do that. That's all I want to do. And so that was probably, I guess the most special one in my deer hunting, I guess you could say career is just the realization like the epiphany I had walking up on the animal. It's just like, they're such fascinating, special animals when they get to be that old and survive that many winters and that many seasons of hunters and coyotes and all that stuff. So I think that moment right there, and it was not always because it was like my biggest deer or whatever. It was just like, that was the moment that like kind of changed me as a hunter and made me just like obsessed with like learning about big deer and, and, and chasing big deer and following them. I can't wait for it to happen to me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> It'll happen. Any of us, Put yeah. your time in. That's all yeah, it is. Yeah. It's time spent in the field. Learning. We've done all right, but not not yeah. not a six not a six and a half or five and a half year old. So we're gonna give her hell this season, though. Oh yeah, it's gonna be. A blast. It's all about putting the time in. That's it. You put it in, it will happen for you eventually. All right. Awesome guys. Um, I know a big thing. Me and Ty have been talking about this, and we kind of got somewhat of game plan until all this. COVID-19 garbage uh, came to us, but um, we definitely wanted to, after all this stuff clears, get everyone together, you know, a bunch of guys we had on a podcast and hook up the recorders and the mics and have a cookout and get everyone together and just shoot the shit about hunting. Everybody can come onto a mic and talk some shit, like one like, yeah. you know, five minutes at a time. <laughs> I think that would be cool. Yeah, we'll have six mics hooked up, so it'll be fun. I think definitely. you need, I think you you need like a, uh, if you do that, you're going to need like someone that's uh like the designated you know you have a designated driver like a designated yeah. like podcast so that it keeps everybody in line, <laughs> yeah. line right. pretty, yeah. pretty sloppy pretty quick i think yeah you should have seen me and my uncle one time we went out there <laughs> yeah. in july <laughs> but yeah if you guys would 
come over. We'd love to have yeah, you guys. Yeah, sure. So, Let us know, and uh, we'll see if we can make it happen. Yeah, I know this year is kind of weird, so it's yeah. I, I probably won't be coming over anytime soon. Sorry. Oh, yeah, no, <laughs> I don't blame you. <laughs> You're from Boston, right? <laughs> yeah. yeah. You definitely don't want me here. <laughs> no. <laughs> All right, guys, uh, we appreciate everything, and uh, good luck tomorrow. Yeah, good Thanks. luck. Thanks for having us on. Stay safe. Yeah, sweet, guys. If you guys, Stay safe, guys. have any questions, just uh, message me. Right. Yeah, yeah I will. absolutely. Okay. I, would, I would love to get with you guys, or even Chris. I know if you ever come up to Guilford, whatever, we can go go shoot some photos somewhere or something. It don't matter. I'm game sure. for any absolutely. of it. So, sure. Sweet deal, guys. All right. Cool. Hey, I appreciate, appreciate it. it. Take care. We'll Take see care. you. See you guys. Yeah, baby, when we're together, it's like Vegas times three. But in the morning, I'll know better. Cause you're so bad, so bad for me. Like a sip of wine Leads me to drink You're my gateway drug I'm starting to think It's gonna take much more than Just 12 steps So call Betty Ford Call Dr. Drew Save me a bed Cause in a month or two I wanna quit you girl Just not yet Baby, when we're together You're the only drug I need But in the morning, I know better Cause you're so bad, so bad for me Bailing down the road past these city lights You got your hands on the wheel and look in your eye I ask myself, is it time to slow down? But the night's still young, we're full of gas Credit cards in my pocket with some limit left in We got friends in the next town Yeah Baby, when we're together It's like Vegas times three But in the morning, I'll know better Cause you're so bad, so bad for me So bad, so bad for me Oh, cause you're so bad, so bad for me Cause you're so bad, so bad for me So bad for me